It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Before killing the schoolboys, pillaging the houses, and raping their mothers. Oh, okay. <laughs> Welcome to Pint of Football, the world's drunkest football podcast, where much like the Royal Jubilee during soaring inflation, we are a grotesque display of opulence enjoyed only by idiots. He's done with the whole thing, and he's moved to America to start a lifestyle blog. It's Andy Baxter. Hi, good evening. Mummified and offensive, it's Darren Napton. Always offensive. And I am Lur, ruler of the planet Omicron Percy I8. And with that, we're back for some more in the mix. And it we were just saying before we started recording, it feels like a long time since we've deep dived into the amazing and strange history of football. What did he come back? Did he do? But he's back. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Yes, he's back. back again. What is that? I've got some great stories about this place called the North. Do you know there's no sun up there? Oh well, you've set the scene perfectly there because oh. we don't start <laughs> we don't start with the classism yet. But the second story, we're in for probably one of his greatest uh, disses to the North yet, and it's basically a whole story of it. So tune in because it's going to be a hoot. However, before that. We have a more, uh, let's say, of the expected pace story. I wonder if he was bullied by someone from, I don't know, Carlisle or something when he was growing up. So as a result, he just hates anyone above, uh, I don't know, anyone above Watford. Above Yate is the North. I don't make the rules. Well, that's that's a whole different debate. Maybe at some point when we finally run out of content, we can do we can settle it for for good. 
but we're not going to do that tonight because I really can't be bothered. Instead, we're going to head to the south and we're going to Derby. See <laughs> what I did there? Uh, no. Good fun. We are going to the very definitely existing Midlands in Derby in May 1937. And it is called Taking It at Walking Pace. They're about walking yeah, football. Okay. Well, in 1937, you predicted yeah. that's that's the year walking football was invented. Well, I don't know. They probably all had polio. Well, yeah. And they probably already had four pints and got the, the bus to the ground and stuff, so it wasn't in peak condition, I'm sure. Mm. Not peak condition, but will it be peak football? Let's jump straight in. This was the sixth annual walking football match between the, <laughs> between the crew and Derby Railway Veterans Associations. Suck wow. It. Ahead of our time, ahead of their time. Yeah. I wonder if walking football for a while was banned like women's football, and that's maybe why you don't hear of it back in the day. Derby held the cup having won 2-0 at Crewe in 1936, and they were looking to win it two years running. And then we get the Wardy Dig in brackets, this is, for some reason. Not that the referee would have allowed that. Odd. <laughs> Odd segue. <laughs> Assumed corruption from the offset. Weird. Yeah. All the players were over 65 years old. So it's not like the lame version of walking football you get now where you have to be a mere is it 35 to be able to enter. Yeah, I figured you'd have to be, you know, up that age now because whenever you see sort of posts, because I know Western have got a good walking football team in the way that they keep saying that they've won their league and they're also old boys. But maybe, I don't know, I suppose each, each league's got different entry requirements, doesn't it? If it is over 35 backs, I'm telling you now, you could enter. Yeah, yeah, you could yeah. be like, yeah, but I'm saying you'd be like Lionel Messi. <laughs> Imagine yeah, you turning up. I might look into it. Yeah, you should. We'll start a YouTube channel of Western Supermare walking football team. And we've got Baxter disguised as a 60-year-old man, just absolutely battering the opposition. <laughs> Yeah, that can be a whole new genre. I like it. Yeah. The oldest player, who ironically was called Young, and Betley huh. were both 73. The venue was the baseball ground, and at the time that was the home of Derby County. They got around 1,500 people turn up, which isn't bad going, really, is it? Different time. Yeah. I think you, you've referred to it many a time, Tom. It's kind of the era still where there wasn't really much to do other than watch. Everyone got, uh, everyone got a free mug of Horlicks with the entry. Mm. <laughs> yeah. The game was one of the most bizarre ever refereed by Arthur King Scott, who had officiated in two FA Cup finals, but he had no difficulty keeping up with play, which at times... Oh, you ready for the... <laughs> Are you ready for this Wardy joke? Did he do Wardy jokes? Hold on he to had, your sides, lads. 
he had no difficulty keeping up with play, which at times reached a frenzied pace of six miles per hour. <laughs> Did it really? <laughs> I mean, was someone I there with just... a fucking speed gun while they walked. Yes, in- exactly. I'm guessing he's just done that for for humorous effects, and it's fine. But I, that, I've got no sort of frame of reference as that, you know. As someone who does run fairly frequently, I don't know how fast that is or not. So it's 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 not really landing that one. Well, would you know if I told you in kilometers? Probably nine point seven, because of course Wardy has also done the brackets conversion next to six miles. Just so you know, that's still counted as walking. Apparently, if you set your treadmill to nine point seven, you're not walking. It's not a sprint, but it's not a walk. At 73 as well. At 73? Wow. Maybe just we should give this more credit. They were tougher people back then, I guess. We wouldn't be able to get oh, up to those speeds no, nowadays. No, no, speedy no, no. old people back in, uh, back in the <laughs> post-war. 30s. Yeah. Zoom so around. Those 30s, 70-year-olds. A real era for real men. Yeah. Not like these... About. Like these 1900s kids <laughs> with their automobiles and the their locomotives and their <laughs> jazz. Jazz crew started well on top and looked set for a walkaway victory. Oh, uh, come on, shut up! <laughs> By comparison, Darby looked fairly pedestrian. Shut up. <laughs> Which of He's course, this one, hasn't he? <laughs> which of course they were, yay! Uh, but once Derby discovered their wingmen, the pattern of play changed. Their left wing pair of Collier and Bridden walked rings around the crew right flank, while Radford, merely only sixty-seven, put in some good walks and centres on the Derby right. Radford had the best chance of the match, only the goalkeeper to beat, but shot five yards wide. Ooh, bad miss. The crowd groaned. They felt he could have walked it in. He's really leaning into it. I like it. Mm. The build-up of both teams was slow, naturally, but there was no holding back by the players. One or two of them received minor knocks. No, this isn't right. One of... Right, no. I don't even know if I can read this because it's clearly not true. They received minor Mm. knocks, but advised by the coaching staff to... dot, 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 walk it off. I hate this book. (laughs) There were only two things missing from the game. The occasion deserved a walking commentary from a radio station, and it was also needing a goal. The game ended nil-nil, oh God, and both teams shared the puck, which was filled to the brim and passed round the players at the end. Filled to the brim with what? Horse manure. Brine. Oh, yeah, probably. (laughs) Droitwich Brine. Crew were optimistic about their chances the next season when they would be at home. They had a younger team than Derby, 
average age 68 as against Derby's 69. Oh, the first time I enjoyed the story. So, yeah, that's the invention of walking football. So, So, do we think it just went away or it just sort of went underground? (laughs) Underground walking football where they have like lead pipes and shivs. All in the 70s. (laughs) (laughs) I'll fucking cut you, I will, Reginald. You stole my humbugs. I think there's a market for it. We should televise it. Well, over 70s underground walking football where violence is encouraged. <laughs> Wardy is essentially claiming that a nil nil walking football match is one of football's strangest ever matches. Yeah, and also, if you think back, he originally made that dig about the referee not letting them win, even though there was no no reference to any weird decisions made. But then he also said the game was one of the most bizarre ever refereed by Arthur Kingscott. In oh. what way? In what way? And yet, doesn't elaborate at all. I mean, you'd think if you were going to do one of those games between those teams, you'd think you'd do the one before when there was at least two goals and a winner. Yeah. Very strange. Dare I ask, was it peak football? I I enjoyed some of the laboured puns as a fan of a laboured pun. Mm. Um, so yeah, that that was nice. And well, yeah, that was kind of it. I didn't when you said at one point, didn't didn't one of the teams, it might have been Derby, have two left wingers on? Yeah, maybe it was a left back and a left winger. Or a Upside down half or whatever they were called back then. <laughs> yeah. Something oh, like Jeremiah. They didn't even, bearing in mind these lads would have been in the 70s, I bet quite a few of them would have had some of the classic oldie timey names that we like, but sadly none of them were referenced this time. Yeah. Anything that could have been interesting in that, like what was in the cup, what were the <laughs> hilarious old man names? Mm, Just yeah. not there. Not there. <laughs> Just, just a load of anti jokes he's thrown in. The only thing, the only interesting thing is that fifteen hundred people came to watch a game walking football, which probably is still the record. It has to be. That would have made the story a bit more interesting if you'd have mentioned that. And was it eleven aside? Because I think walking football now is just small sided football, isn't it? I don't know. You're the oldest. <laughs> yes. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Let's move swiftly on because this is 
one of the most offensive stories as a northern time for, for some more northern bashing. Oh man, that's what we're here for. It's 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 a two pager. It's full of derogatory terminology towards the north, and as if it couldn't be any more obvious, the title of it is. <laughs> Sorry, Daz. I know I shouldn't interrupt. The title of it is A Matter of Class. <sighs> Bit on the nose. Yeah. Not even hiding it. No. And I'm not even going to make a fake story name for it this time. But it's the Northern Monkeys. It's, it's set in a place that is called Eton or Eton. E T O N, Eaton, Eaton. Ah, huh. as in I don't, I don't know where it, like, I, don't, I don't know where like it is. School, isn't it like uh, is it in Oxford? I don't it, know. It's got to be down like that way. It didn't posh private school, isn't it? Yeah, it's like the really posh private school that all the prime ministers go to. Uh, so it's wow. either Cambridge or Oxford. Yeah, so you, you can already, I'm guessing tell where this is going to go. In December 1938, the playing fields of Eton College staged one of the strangest games. He says this every time. Staged one of the strangest games of Britain's class-conscious society. Got an absolute shit there, sorry. It's in Berkshire. I don't know where that is, neither. Is that a posh area? Yes. Oh, fine. The Eton College school team took on St. Ellen's Auckland Social Service Team. St. Ellen's Auckland Social Service Team. They took on the poor, 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 poor team, is what, what that <laughs> translates as. Is that actually as. what he's written? No. <laughs> that is what it translates as, though, for any Southern listeners who are listening to this and don't understand what Auckland Social or Service mean. And... It was mainly compromised of unemployed coal miners from the northeast. Are you sure you about, about that, that Wardy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Two years previously, Eton College had adopted, in quotation marks, the St. Helens Social Club Centre as part of a goodwill exercise during the days of severe economic depression. Oh. It's like a fairy tale, isn't it? That's nice of them. It's like, the, it's like talking about, about the third world. It's like comic relief does Tyneside, 1938. <laughs> Periodically, the boys and the staff of the college had travelled. Oh, they'd gone up to the Durham village. They'd actually gone up there. And they'd involved themselves in the local community activities. Ooh. Oh, God, there could be anything. Like ferret wrestling and stuff. Oh, <laughs> oh. No, no, it wasn't quite as bad as that. The Auckland Chronicle talks about them coming up to take part in the sing-songs, the village teas and suppers and dances gave them an insight into the quality and warm hospitality in the north. We don't have much, but it'll do. That was, that was St. Helens, as in Lancashire, rather than St. Helens in the northeast, wasn't it? I apologise. I think St. Helens in general is just the name of generic poor northern place, unfortunately. Goldsbury. The Auckland boys were invited to visit the college 
at the expense of the Etonians. Could you imagine? I mean, Baxter, you've just been to, well, a few months ago, been to Mexico on a luxury holiday. Yeah. Do you, do you, do you think do you think it compares with a, a weekend at the Eton College? Well, I can't remember where it was, but didn't it was an Olympic Games where some particularly rubbish country with poor human rights, their athletes, some of them tried to like flee and and set up new lives in whatever country it was they'd been they'd gone to because mm. you know they'd gone they 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 were athletes but sort of saw their chance to. They're really good at running uh, away. Well, yeah, they're not going to get caught, are they? <laughs> so maybe that's what they were thinking. If these these guys from the northeast could sort of try and sneak away and end up living down in, in Berkshire somewhere, maybe that's what they were planning. No, Bloody hell, Percival! There's <laughs> a bunch of miners in your boot bag. <laughs> a, a game of football was part of the excursion, of course. What, sir? <laughs> the tough, gritty northern lads were expected to give the Eton schoolboys. A pretty good game. At 8am on Wednesday the 14th of December, a party of 18 Auckland boys and seven officials set off by motor coach on the 250-mile journey south. What is a motor coach? Probably just a bus. Okay. They were cheered loudly by mothers, sisters and sweethearts who had gathered on a (laughs) chilly morning to give them a good send-off to the far and distant land. Are there any citations in this book out of interest? Um, I'm not sure. No. Nah. <laughs> Northern mothers. Yeah, yeah. Just ask any Auckland mother. They'll all <laughs> oh, remember. Oh, yes, I remember it well. Only six of the party travelling south were in employment. That's just Made a sentence. Of <laughs> 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 none of them have jobs, you see. Yes. Why is he throwing that in there? How does he know that? Oh... And then the second sentence, just in case that didn't hit home hard enough for the listeners, the rest were wondering where the next wage would come from. Yeah, we get it. He doesn't like the North. Of course, they would probably be stealing everything that wasn't nailed down upon their (laughs) arrival. Well, we'll get to that. (laughs) But for one day, the young men from the North East were given the chance to live like the 1,160 boys at Eton College. Upon arrival, they were given a hot supper and a warm bed. Pat on the head. According to a direct quote, which I'm sure is fully accurate, one of the Northeasterners said about the Southern hosts, they are champion. It's like home from home. I did think you were going to have a go at the voice then. That's a shame. No, I, I, I'm not doing a Geordie voice. Sob that. In the morning, the Northeast party breakfasted with the schoolboys, which sounds a bit weird. Yeah, the verb to breakfast. Okay, makes sense. I had yes. a good breakfasting this morning. Well, yeah. Shortly after they went to the chapel service and then later... The work began in the classrooms. What? Why were they in the? Why were they doing homework? They've been asked to go on this trip. I bet they were all like, "Oh, they may as well have some education while they're here. They don't get any up there." 
Come along, Ben. We're going to teach you about letters. They even went to go and see Windsor Castle and St. George's Chapel. And then, after touring the college buildings, what a boring trip. They were showing the tuck shop. Now we're talking. And apparently, this was a strategic move from the Southerners, as the football game was due to start shortly afterwards. Very cunning. Load them up on chocolate and then wait for the inevitable stitch to come into play. Yeah. We've got the unemployed, chocolate-filled Northerners. Don't make me run, I'm full of chocolate. Versus the fit and breakfasted Southerners. <laughs> Tom, what score are you going to go with? 2-1 uh, to Eaton. Baxter? 3-0 Eaton. Right then. The contest between the polished students and the rough and ready unemployed coal miners was an even one. <laughs> the dirty, stinking working men. Except none of them worked. None of them worked, but they were all coal miners. Was that even possible? <laughs> the result was Eton College 2. Dirty scummy northerners, two. Wow. It was a draw. Wow, another draw, much like the walking football game. At least there was some goals in this one. But let's see what happened afterwards. The boys ate tea in the college hall and stayed a second night before killing the the schoolboys. What before killing what? the school? Oh. <laughs> Before killing the schoolboys, pillaging the houses and raping their mothers. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, that did not happen. <laughs> that would have That's been one of football's strangest stories. Terrible to people from the north. <laughs> no, what actually happened was they stayed for a second night before travelling home the next day. They agreed that the trip had been grand. One of them Centre half Mackinson said it was. <laughs> I'm going to cry. Said it was the best three days of his life. Oh. oh. I mean, it does sound quite nice, really. Even though we're being yeah, pricks about it. Sure, like they, they got a nice couple of days, and they got, the food's probably all right down there, wasn't it? Back then, yeah. And they got to go to a tuck shop, which doesn't always happen, so that's good. I, I mean, I would love to go to a tuck shop. I remember uh, when, weekend. when we were at school and we went to one of those. Did you ever go to these, like, week-long kind of, like, school trips, but they were, like, out in the middle of nowhere. You got to do some, like, adventure stuff, kayaking, all that sort of nonsense. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And then on one of the days, the place we were staying, I can't remember what it was called now, but it had built into the main school hall it had an underground maze which you could crawl around in oh my and god wow it was it was one of the most incredible things ever and they set you up it was pitch black and they set you up with hard hats with lights on and when you're like 10 it was like the the coolest thing ever and they basically just placed a load of like i don't know what they were like you had to go and collect certain things from down there in your teams and all the rest of it it was really really good but one of the things they said, and obviously as kids, you believed it, they were like, in the maze, 
worked all you where it is, but in the maze, and no one's ever found it, one of the walls is actually a secret door that leads to the tuck shop. And if you can get in, if you can get in, you can take what you want. I swear we must have been in there about six hours, knocking, <laughs> knocking on every wall. And I think, well, that, that's when you when you've got kids of that age. What better way to entertain them? I bet all the teachers just went straight off to the bar. So we're saying that you, you know, we're saying that Ward is being offensive towards people from the north, but you're also telling me that you spent your childhood years scrabbling around in the dirt for sweets. No, it was indoors. <laughs> there was no dirt. <laughs> oh no, it, it was just one of them underground indoor mazes. It was an incredibly well kept and clean underground maze. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Two kids died from dust poisoning afterwards, but that that could have been from anywhere. Dust poisoning. That's a real thing, isn't it? Sure. <laughs> so, was that peak football? No. No. It's just a nice I, I trip. Just... Yeah, it was, yeah. yeah, the football yeah. was one sentence, wasn't it? There was a game <laughs> yeah. that ended two all. Exactly. He didn't. They, what, if something particularly untoward it happened during the game you know the 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 the, the northerners their instinct to took over and they tried to like open the mine shaft on the pitch or something <laughs> then that that might have been a bit more interesting i don't know could have added to it couldn't it how much did you pay for this book does you've asked me this before um 9.99 hmm. we've probably got more value out of it than a lot of other people who own the book so you know don't be too hard well, we've made it to we've made it to page seventy-eight, which isn't bad going. We're about a third of the way through the book, almost. Oh, wow! So, tune in, listeners. There's probably at least another twenty or thirty episodes to come. Easily, easily. And we are Mate. sorry. We apologise in advance. I apologise for nothing. We're only human, after all, as the old saying goes. And speaking of which. We're now going to test our human limitations as Tom takes over with the favourite part of the podcast. Yeah. Are you smarter than a groundhopper? Um, we still need a we still need a jingle for that bit. <laughs> hmm. Are oh, you picking these at random? No. I'm just trying to remember which ones I've already asked you. You surely not ripping them up and binning them? They're all false answers. I probably should. Daz, for one sweetie, which Brazilian player has won the most UEFA Champions League titles? Hmm. Let me think about this. I wonder if... Hmm. I'm just trying to think if Kaká won it with Real Madrid and AC Milan, and then that's only still two, but he might have won it multiple times with Real Madrid. Hmm. This is the most thought I've ever actually put into one of these. I usually just say, like, Bob Aldinho. It's not Kaká. It's not. It can't be. I'm just going to, because I've said that name twice now, and if I say someone else and it's not him, then I'll be fuming. 
and I'd rather just get it wrong if it's not that. So I'm just going to say caca. Incorrect. God damn it. Right. Bring him back. Hello. Andrew Baxter for one sweetie. Which Brazilian player has won the most UEFA Champions League titles? It's going to be an awkward one. It's going to be a trick question almost, isn't it? Because you you gravitate to the sort of big famous names, but they're not going to have won it through some just weird stroke of misfortune, aren't they? So, because it's, I'm just trying to think who had famous Brazilians when they were great. They're probably going to be a Spanish team, isn't it? Ronaldinho must have won it at Barcelona. Pat Ronaldo must have won it at Real Madrid. I'm not sure if he did. <sighs> he didn't win it in Italy. Who else, has, who else has won it? He also won it a couple of times. It's, it's, it's a tough one when you sort of think like that, isn't it? Then you think who else is Brazilian? Did Rivaldo win it with Barca? Ronaldinho. Both of you are wrong. Correct answer is Marcelo. Oh, yeah. Who's won it four times. You big, thicky bobos. Yeah, we're not good at this. Oh, well. At least it's still one now. At least least you've got one right. Yeah, so it's Baxter one, Daz nil. Well, we go again. We go again. We absolutely go again. I'm just waiting for my copy of these cards to arrive in the post. If I'm just, he went... I'm just fabricate answers to piss you two off. <laughs> I'm like, no, it isn't. I've got the card here. Did I tell you I've also got a pack of cards like that as well somewhere? Have you? Oh, good. We can carry on forever then. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That's ultimately the aim of this, isn't it? What is all this tattoo? Yeah. Huh. Are we allowed a, a, a sample question from your rival collection? You've got a spoon? Is this, a is, spoon? this is the wooden spoon I won for taking part in the 2019 Stafford Pancake Race. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Good stuff. Don't laugh at my achievement box. <laughs> my achievement box. <laughs> hey, now. Can I just say, as a fellow member, Tom, of the Staffordshire University Amateur Dramatic Society, you'll never win this. You'll never win this. Best director, you'll never <laughs> win this. But yeah, have a bit of that. Must be time for a joke. Please. Yeah, go on, then. Go on then. A friend of mine claims he's invented an invisibility cloak. Can't hear myself. What effects did it do? What effects? What effects?
not a sexually active man. <laughs> Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.